This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We are uh, starting a brand new series, like I just said, called It's Complicated. And uh, I was a young adult pastor for a while, uh, about 12 years. And oftentimes I would ask uh, young adults, hey, are you in a relationship? And nine times out of ten, they would say, uh, either yes or it's complicated, right? And, and I started realizing that a lot of us um, kind of buy the lie of Satan. By the way, the most uh, propagated lie that Satan will, will try to get you to sell is that the Bible is too complex or too complicated for you to live your life well. So you're going to have to seek something else. You're going to have to seek yourself because what's in this book What's in the 14 pages of this book is not truly understandable. And what is understandable, trust me, it's not doable. That's the lie that Satan wants to tell you and he wants to tell me every single day of our lives. And so what I thought we would do is go back to the basics. Are you guys okay with going back to the basics? And I, I please uh, give me some grace to, to really cover some basic things. Uh, some of you who have studied the creation story a lot Okay, you might learn something. I did. Okay, some of you who have not studied the creation story at all, uh, this is going to be like drinking from a fire hose. Okay, so I'm going to give you lots of information, not to overload you, but, but I'm going to let you catch up this week. Okay, I'm going to let you understand some basic things about creation that are really, really important. Um, probably the most important thing I could get up here and say on a weekend but I also want you to know that, that these are the basics. And I just know that even myself, okay, I need to get back to the basics. Basics in my relationship with God. Basics in every relationship that God has allowed me to have. So we're going to go to the first three chapters of Genesis. And those first three chapters of Genesis are going to serve as our, uh, as our text um, the next uh, four weeks. So today and the next four weeks, five weeks total. And uh, we're going to be in Genesis 2, but we're going to kind of be going back to Genesis 1. I didn't give you a lot of blanks because I don't want you to be focused on, oh, I missed a blank or, or what does that blank say or anything like that. And if you're brand new, just know that everything that's in this outline, okay, is straight from the Bible. So everything I've given you, definitions, straight from the Bible. Uh, quotes uh, about what the Bible's saying in these particular Verses. Okay, so we're going to go to the very first uh, book of the Bible, Genesis, and it was written about 3,500 years ago uh, by God. God told Moses uh, in Hebrew, his name is Masha. Uh, he, he said, write this down. Moses was on Mount Sinai, uh, and he was penning these words as God spoke audibly to him. We have a picture of Mount Sinai. Uh, it is a very desertous region. Uh, this was the, the, the mountain that God came down and in a cloud uh, spoke to uh, the, the, the uh, human author, uh, Moses. 
Now, God is telling him something about the creation story, and he's telling him about the character and about the values that he wants Moses to then go communicate to, yes, the children of Israel, but also to us. This is extremely applicable to every person in this room. And so here's the key thought of this entire talk today. And it is this, that character is how God desires you to be like him. So when I say character, yes, I'm meaning, uh, you know, the real you, as someone has just described it, uh, the combination of all of your internal uh, characteristics and values and morals. But what I'm ultimately saying is that your internal character should reflect your design as the image of God. Now, some of you don't know or have never read Genesis 1.26 that we'll read in a second that he made you in his image. You are made to reflect God's likeness. You say, wow, but I don't. Exactly. That's why we're in this series. But it's extremely simple to understand how God wants your character to be formed into his image. Okay? And we're going to break this down in three ways today. First of all, the first way he wants to develop your inner character is by centering yourself uh, with his rhythm. If, If you center yourself with God's rhythm, then he will take over and allow his system to grow you. So number two, we're going to see how uh, you can grow yourself using God's system. Not the world system, not psychology's system, not the system of just how you've always done it or how your parents did relationships, but God's system for growing yourself internally and your relationship. And then we're going to define ourselves using God's value. So let's dive into this. Number one, God's rhythm can center us. God's rhythm can center us. Now, let me, get, let me grab this because I want to I illustrate God's rhythm, okay? I don't have rhythm. Some of you that know me, I don't have rhythm. I cannot play the drums. I cannot dance. I have no rhythm, okay? So, so anyone who knows me knows that, okay? But I would like to see if we could develop the concept of rhythm today because it's very, very important. We're going to talk about this and and use this as a foundation as we go. By the way, character is the foundation of every relationship. That's why we're talking about it today in in length. Now, so so what I want you to do, if you can help me with this, okay, is, is I want when I strike the drum, I want everyone to clap. Can you guys do that? It's pretty simple, right? Okay. So go ahead and, 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 and get your hands free. Okay. Um, and, and, and so I'm going to strike the drum. Okay. And we're going to clap and we're going we're gonna to see what rhythm is and what rhythm isn't. Okay. So, so rhythm is, is a constant. Okay. All right. Let's try to do it at the same time. Okay. So we want to be in sync and rhythm, right? Okay. Ready? Very good. Okay, let's do a little faster. Okay, I didn't do it that time, okay? Now, what rhythm isn't, okay, is what I did the last time. The reason why you were able to clap is because you thought that I was going to continue the same repetition. Did you not? Okay, now the reason why I I illustrated that way is because God's rhythm is always reliable. Okay, so his rhythms don't change. We're going to show that in the creation story. We're going to show the fact that your rhythm in your relationships with him and with others, it doesn't change. By the way, uh, this, this talk is not about uh, you know, what the world says works. Because psychology has a lot of really good stuff to diagnose problems. Very, very little with solutions. Okay, 
So, so the faster we go, are you guys ready? Okay, so the faster we go, there comes a point in time, if I get too fast, it breaks the rhythm. Do you see that? Your rhythm in your relationships was not meant to go too fast or too slow. It's meant to go at God's pace and in God's confines. We are centered, and I'm going to talk about the word centered here in a minute, but we are centered using God's rhythm. Now, if you've never heard this before, I think it'll be extremely refreshing to you. But I want you to see letter A, that God's rhythm prioritizes work. His rhythm prioritizes work. And, and, and he actually says this to us in, in lots of different places uh, about working. And, and in fact, in Genesis 2.15, he put man in the garden to work it. Everyone say work it. Okay, so, so you were made to work, okay? And some of you are like, oh, this is not the sermon for me, okay? Now, let, let me just say something. Do some research, not now, but do some research later on what happens when people just retire and don't work. Life expectancy goes down, okay? You were made to work. We were all made to work. And I always remind my boys, uh, probably to um, their dismay, um, that... Uh, when we get to heaven, guess what we're going to be doing? We're going to be working, okay? Work does not end. Uh, we don't work for a reward. Work is the reward. Okay, God gives us work. We're allowed to work. He, he has blessed us with the ability to work, okay? <laughs> Some of you are not sold, okay? <laughs> Your face is like, get off this point fast. Well, let me just make this point that, that the Bible starts out with a very interesting theme. It says, in the beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created. Let's say that together. In the beginning, God created. Okay? So, in the beginning, badashi is the word for in the beginning. It's this really, really cool Hebrew word that says the beginning happened. Okay? God, Elohim, this, this awesome, unmoved mover came and he created bara. Oh, man. Now God is saying something to us that we need to realize that he is doing something that no one else could have done. God is beginning something that no one else could have begun. God is the unmoved mover. Now look at this. He created the heavens and the earth. Then in chapter 2, in verse 2, or verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and earth were finished, and all the hosts of them, meaning everything inside of the world that God created, he created it to its completion. He created it to its fullness. And so the word created means to shape, but then the word made that we'll, we'll see a little bit later is what we can do. So he created us in his image, and he says, I want you to reflect my creation. Now you can't make something out of nothing, but you can make something better that I made. So he finished it. It was good. And he said, I want you to keep it good. I want you to till the ground. I want you to uh, trim these trees. I want you to uh, follow my rhythm of working, of creating, of producing. And so God made us to have a sense of purpose, to have a sense of meaning to work. Now here's the key thought from this point, And that is this, that God created you to follow a simple cadence of work and rest. Work and rest. Work and rest. Can we say that together? Work and rest. Work 
and rest. So this is the cadence. God's saying, work and then rest. Work and then rest. In music, if there is no rest, it runs together and, and, and it's, it's hard to even take in. And just, just everything, this is off, okay? So, 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 you know, just bang, 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 bang. Like, when is it going to have a rest? Take a rest. Now, you say, how do we see this rhythm? Let's go back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1 uh, tells us, uh, just, and you'll see the rhythm here. We're going to go back to Genesis 1 to see these rhythms, okay? So here we go. Uh, verse number 2, uh, the earth was without form and void. Okay, darkness moved on the waters. God said, let there be light. Uh, the light was good. Okay, verse number 5, um, that, that evening and morning was the first day. Okay, next passage in, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, he, he talks about uh, the second day. Evening and morning were the second day. Uh, you guys can just filter through those, those next few verses um, for me if you would. Um, chapter, chapter 1 verse 8, second day. Uh, I believe it's chapter uh, 1, next verse. Um, and I can, I can read it in, in the notes as well, or in my uh, Bible as well. Uh, Genesis 1 uh, chapter uh, 1 and verse number 8. Go to the next one, guys. Um, Genesis 1 and verse number, uh, I believe it's 10 or 12, uh, the third day. Every, if we were to go through these, one after the other, one after the other. Guys, just filter through those. Uh, verse 18, the fourth day. Uh, he made something, he worked, and then he stopped. And he said, this is another day. He made it another day. Separation, a pause. Verse 22 uh, he, he made the seas, the, the, every, everything in the seas, the fowl, and then he stopped and he said, it's the fifth day. And then the, the, the sixth day, he made uh, animals and man, and then he stopped, he paused. And he said, this is the rhythm that I want in your life. Re- work, then rest. So God's rhythm, it prioritizes rest just as much as it prioritizes work. So letter B, it prioritizes rest. Now, the word finished, when God in Genesis 2.1 said he finished everything, it's to accomplish, it's to, it's to make something ready. It was ready for man. He rested in it. And Jesus commented on this. He said that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. God made rest before he made you. And God put the rhythm in, in, in the world before he put the rhythm into you. And so the word rest, when God finished it, so go to verse number one and two of chapter two. He finished, and and then chapter two, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, same word as finished, all right, this uh, kahala. And And then it literally is the work is finishing. He's stepping back. He's looking at the work. That's what that means. And then he rested. Now, let me give a burning image inside your mind. This is what the word rested means. Stop. Stop working. Stop trying. Stop. But it's stop with a purpose. I'm telling you something that God really, really, really got a hold of me this week. And, and, and I'll tell you, and in your notes, I put Exodus chapter 20. Okay? Because there is a commandment in the Bible that says that you should once a week stop and rest. And it's the one commandment that we all brag about breaking. <laughs> we have got to stop. Our culture is addicted to busy. We're addicted to activity. We have to stop. And, and the word rested, it means to cease. It, 
It, it means to cease from something, to bring it in, to, to just disappear. I love this. It means to hear more. To be able to stop so you can hear more. And then the final one is it means to soak in silence. Now we started this year with, with, with seven minutes of silence each day. And it's so healthy. Just sitting there. Breathing. Thinking about who you are. Thinking about who God is. Thinking about your week that has passed. Thinking about your week that is coming. Friend, if we do not stop, God will stop us. If we do not follow the Sabbath, if we do not have a Sabbath rest, some, some, some people get so bent out of shape, it has to be all day Saturday from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. I get that. If your Sabbath is on Tuesday, take Tuesday. If your Sabbath is on Wednesday, take Wednesday. Listen, if your Sabbath is today, that's great. But there needs to be one day in your week of your seven that you say, okay, I am done. I am going to take some reflection. I'm going to take some, some time to focus. Why is this so important? Because at the end of the seventh day, wait a second, there was no end to the seventh day. Wait a second, God said the rhythm was going to continue. Wait a second, the end of each day, He said it was finished, that it was, and, the, and that was the sixth day. But when he comes to the seventh day, he doesn't say that. Why? Friend, because we are still in the seventh day. He never looked back and said, oh, oh, that's going to end. That's not something that continues. God's not making new uh, uh, creations as, as, as far as like new worlds every single day. But he, he, he finished that creation. And he looked at it and he said, it's good. In fact, we'll see later, it's very good. And he said, we are still in that period of being able to rest in him and being able to center ourselves in him. Um, I have to pick a little bit on Isaac because he has inspired my boys to play guitar. And on uh, my phone, I had to download this app that, that um, he had told uh, Camden about. Camden's learning the guitar. Uh, it's called Guitar Tuna. I think we have a screenshot of it. And, and you can actually uh, click on whatever, um, you know, whatever note you want to tune, Okay. And it'll give, you the, it'll give you the noise, okay, the, the, the tune. If your guitar is off at all, it, it will tell you how many degrees it's off. And, and then you just turn the, 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 the knobs on the guitar. And, and then, and then, and then you, you try it again. And you, and you, and you, and you do your, you know, the, the guitar string. And, and then it centers. And when it centers, it gives you kind of this bing, like you're good to go. Now, some of us, are so depleted because we have never stopped long enough to listen to God's rhythm and say, am I in tune? God, God, is there something off you want to, is there something I need to adjust? Friend, you can't adjust something if you're never slowing down. You, you have to stop, pause, breathe, and say, God, what am I doing that you don't want me to do? And what am I not doing that you do want me to do? God, Please adjust me. Please tune me. Please center me. You see, uh, rowers know that cadence matters. Rowers know, in fact, I think we have a picture of rowers, uh, some rowers, and, 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 and there's always someone sitting in the front who, who's, who's banging on something or who's shouting out the cadence. Row, row, 
row, whatever it is. They're, they're rowing all in sync. Do you know if one guy starts getting out of sync, they're going to go in circles, right? And they're all going to be fighting against him. Friend, when we come back to God's rhythm, we can start realizing that God is the one who gives us this rhythm. He is the sustainer of the rhythm. But we try to uh, seek our own rhythm. Why? Because we've gotten so addicted to being busy and active, and we've gotten so busy that we have become more focused on the urgent than we have the important. So here's a key thought. We cannot abandon what is important because of the urgent. There are certain things in life that are urgent, but there are more important things that are never going to be screaming at you, and God wants you to focus on those as well. Uh, so I saw an article um, a few months ago about before Thomas Edison, before this guy, okay? Before the light bulb, the average American got 10.2 hours of sleep per night. 10.2. That was the average. So some people were getting more than that. I'm like, what in the world? Now, here's what America looks like, Okay? This is, this is why America is so depleted and so tired. This is why we're so tired. Uh, 161, the number of times in 2019, America's checked their phone on a given day. That was the average, by the way. Somewhere more. Okay? 90, uh, 79%, that's in 2019, the percent of Americans who slept with their phone. I know I'm getting personal here, okay? 79% of us. And so this is the number of average hours of sleep. We've gone from 10.2 to 6.2. Some of you are like, that's actually really good. Oh, okay. I'm doing fine. No, no, no. You're missing the point. We are so tired because we are addicted to being busy because busy tells us that we're important. And we have to say, okay, is God the one who's giving me my importance or Am I going to seek my importance from other things? And so here's the takeaway from this point, and it is this, that God made us to prioritize him by resting in him. How does God want you to prioritize him? By giving to him? Yeah, absolutely. We did that last week, and I would encourage any of you who want want to be a part of it, you you would be the beneficiaries, but let me just say something. We've got to take a moment sometimes and say, God, I'm going to rest in you. God, you're my creator. And I believe that to the point that I'm going to live out. Because we can say we believe something, but if we're not willing to live it out, we are, we are kidding ourselves. And so rest in what God allows, not in what you envision. A lot of times we're, we're resting in, in if things go well. We're resting in if we're, we're, everything's going okay. But we can rest in God uh, in what he says regardless of what's happening around us. And so that leads us to number two, God's system. And God's system can grow us. You see, I get frustrated when I don't grow as quickly as I envision. I get frustrated when things don't happen as soon as I envision. But God says, if you'll follow my rhythm, it will lead you into a system of growth that will grow as fast as I think you should grow. It will happen as fast as I think it should. Now look, let's see what God sets in motion before man is even uh, here. What is God doing? What systems is God putting in place? Let's see it. Verse number four. 
And these are the generations. Um, guys, go back to verse number uh, three. I don't think I finished verse number uh, one through three. I want to make sure I finish that because this is important. Um, that when he, that, that he rested from all that he had made, God blessed the seventh day. He sanctified it uh, because he had rested from all the work uh, which God created and made. So God created everything and then he rested. Okay? God created everything and he rested. God was resting each after each day, but then he took an entire day to rest and to have fellowship with man. Okay, but, but, but now let's look at verse number four. These are the generations of the heavens. Now what does it mean, the generations? There's only, there's only Adam and Eve. Well, the word generations there is the word for systems. Okay, so we could literally read, these are the accounts, or these are the registrations. Um, these are the systems that God uh, uh, has given us for the heavens. The solar system, the cardiovascular system, the nervous system. Okay, God puts systems into play to allow things to grow the way he intended. Um, when they were created, in that day, the Lord God made the earth and heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. So it's talking about what happened before man came. The systems God put before we were here. But there went up a mist from the earth, and watered the whole face of the ground. Now, it's very obvious to me here that God is telling us, he's giving us his revelation of how he is planning to sustain man. That he was the producer of water, that he was the producer of plants, he was producer of trees, he was producer of everything that would make us grow physically. But I want you to see how God wants us to grow then spiritually and relationally. Let's go back to chapter 1. And guys, I want to do rapid fire like we did before. Chapter 1 and verse 3, God said, let there be light. There was light. Chapter 1 and verse 6, God said, let the firmament. Okay, uh, verse 7, it was so. Uh, see the rhythm, see the rhythm, see the pattern, see the system. God said, let the waters. Verse 9, it was so. Uh, next, verse 11, God said, end of verse 11, it was so. Are you picking up on the pattern here? God said, it was so. Let's say that together. God said it was so. God's showing us the pattern, and the pattern is revelation. The revelation he gives is the system he's wanting us to follow. He's wanting us to follow the system. So what is, what's the rhythm here? Well, when I quoted those, those things that were all those verses, repeated, 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 in chapter 1, I believe, now you might believe something different, but I believe that chapter 1 is a song. I believe it's true. I believe it's literal, but I believe it's a song. And I believe that this song gives us some rhythm. It gives us some rhythms. The first rhythm, if you guys can go to that, um, the, the rhythm of the, of the first part of the song okay, is saying that God said, here, darkness comes before light. Light gives uh, the chance for us to work, and the night is for rest. That's the first rhythm of the song. I believe the, the, the first chapter in Genesis is this song that's written about creation. Next, uh, the, the second rhythm from the creation song 
is that God is the unmoved mover of the universe, that he says things and they happen. They, they, they just come from nothing, that God made what we need to survive, that he was giving us a, a whole ecosystem, a, a whole system for living and surviving here on this planet, but ultimately that God didn't just give us what, to, what we needed to survive, but he gave us everything we would need to thrive. So if your relationships and if your life is not thriving, it's not because God has, has withheld from you what you need, it is because we are following a different rhythm. We are following a different system. And so God said it, and it was so. So then we have to ask ourselves, what is God saying in my life, and is it so? So letter B, submission or obedience. Submission lives out God's system. It lives out God's system. And, and, and the system of, of physical nourishment is the same system for, for spiritual and relational nourishment. He said it misted on the earth. This is a freshwater stream springing up. It's actually the same word that's used for a heavenly source of water. And, and, it's, and it's this coming to life. And as the guys play the video behind me, I want to quote a verse uh, from Psalm 1 where it says that you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth her fruit in her season, and, and, and whatsoever you do shall prosper. Well, why is that? What, what happened before the prospering? The system before the prospering is, is in verse number 2 of Psalm 1. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law, in His system, He will meditate day and night, and then he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You see, we all want to grow. We all want to flourish. We all want our relationships to go to the next level. And we all want to see the fruit of God's system. But submission is the key. So here's the key thought. That God's system of obedience brings rejuvenation and joy. And the takeaway is that God made us to need him while working and resting in him. So while we're working for him. We need him. While we're resting in him, we need him. We have to rely on him. He built the systems in the universe to rely on him. Now, the next few weeks, we're going to study what that means, what that looks like. Let me just tell you something. that God's design is absolutely perfect. And not only did he give you the rhythm for your life, work and rest, work and rest. And not only did he give you the system, Here's my revelation. I'm saying it. Do this. We do it. Do this. We do it. Obedience comes from the word of God. He says it. It's so. He says it. It's so. Not only did he give us that system for growth, but finally he gives us his values. And the values that he gives us should define us. The values that he gives us should define us. Now, if any of you have done anything with me about relationships, and you say, you know, Pastor, you know, I, I have a question about a relationship. I am going to sound like a broken record every single time. And I don't say it, okay, because I don't have, you know, anything else that, that, that would be, like, practically important. I, I want to get to the practical, but I have to start with the principles. I just want to say that when we talk about God's values, that is the most important thing to talk about in any relationship. In a marriage relationship, in relationships with our kids, relationships at work. 
That is the most important, but it's also most important in your relationship with God. Now why? Because values define who we are. It defines what is valuable to us. It is what we build our identity around. And so God formed who he wanted us to be, and he formed our values when he formed us physically. He also formed us spiritually and emotionally. I'm going to show you that in a minute. But, but, the, but, but in verse number 7, it kind of breaks down how he formed us. The, the, the word formed, okay, and let me just read the verse, and then we'll, go, we'll break it down. The Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This was the beginning of man. And God says that he formed it. This is the word barak. And it literally means to fashion, to devise with purpose, to to cast as a potter. Literally, the potter takes the clay and forms into it how he or she wants it to be formed. And God was saying, I am defining who you are in this moment. So how can we get our values and definition from this? Well, Well, we said that Our values determine our character. And our values that God says, so what God says is valuable, what God says is important, that has to be reflected in who we are and how we value things. So how can this verse change us and and help us with that? Well, I want you to see, um, we want to break this verse down in four ways. First, that God created you or cared enough to create you uniquely you. He, he cared enough to, to, to make you exactly like he wanted you to be. You say, oh, that's what I was afraid of. You know, no, 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 hold on. What the world says is different. What the world says is unwanted. God might be saying, that's exactly how I wanted you to be. See, God formed you uniquely for beauty's sake. Things that are all the same aren't beautiful. Things that are different, things that have unique characteristics are beauty in God's eyes. Next, God cared enough to get his hands dirty. He reached down into the dirt. Everything else he spoke. But now he's reaching down into the dirt and he's taking matter and making you. You are not just a blob of matter. You are who God wants you to be. You have purpose. You have meaning. Why? Because next, God cared enough to give you a life with intelligence. And not only did he give you, you know, mental faculties and, and the abilities that, that no other animal has, but, but he uniquely gave you a living soul. He cared enough to place within you a desire to connect with him. That he wants to connect with you. And that is what the difference is in you having a living soul. So what's the rhythm of God creating uh, you and your, uh, your unique characteristics that's different than the animals. Let me show you the rhythm in the system. Okay, let's go back to Genesis 1, that, that wonderful song. God's, God saw the light, that it was good, verse 4. Next, verse 10, God saw the dry land, he saw that it was good. He's making something, he's stepping back and saying, it's good. Next, God, God uh, saw the grass and the fruit. He saw it was good, verse 12. Next, uh, he, he, he saw the day and night, uh, the darkness and the light. He saw it, it was good. 
Say, man, that's good. Have a time for rest. Have a time for work. It's good. All the way through, verse 21, the whales and the, and, and the flying uh, creatures and every, every kind of, of animal. Man, God saw it was good. But then when we come down to the very end of the chapter, God sees us. And what does he say in the last part? Go, go to the next one, guys. Verse 31, I think. Evening and morning were the sixth day. But what does God say about it? It was very good. God looks at us, and he doesn't just say it was good. He says, wow, that is very good. And so this is how God can develop and, 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 and grow your character. Here, here's the third rhythm he wanted us to see from, from this song. Uh, God pauses for reflection at the end of everything he creates, and his assessments of his creations are always perfect. God didn't lie when he said that you were very good. That, that the creation of Adam and Eve were very good. And of all his assessments, God gave the highest value to man. So here's the key thought. That from the very beginning, Satan has been trying to get us to believe that God has given, what God has given is not good enough. And so our values matter because our values are way, the way we develop our character. And our character determines the health of every relationship. You have a choice. The choice is in verse 7. Put up verse number 7, guys. If the man was formed of the dust of the ground, and if we're just dust in the ground, we have no unique features, we, we're, we're, just, we're just matter, then honestly, you're not very good then honestly, I could just kind of say, you know what? You, whatever you tell about yourself, whatever you say about yourself, it's true. You are ugly. <gasps> but there's another option, see? God didn't just leave us as dirt. God didn't just leave us as this kind of this formless, voidless, moving, walking, intelligent blob. What did he do? He breathed into us life. And he didn't just give us life for the sake of life. He gave us a living, breathing, moving, loving, working, resting soul. You say, that's the problem. What is a soul? Well, it's been really tainted over the years, but let me end with this. The word soul is the word in the Hebrew, nefesh. And it's literally the Hebrew word for throat. So it, would, it used it when the, when the Israelites were thirsty in the desert. And they said, our nefesh, our, our, it's parched. You ever been really thirsty? Some of you are like, yeah, right now, okay? Well, get some water, but, but let me just say something. That your throat is not where you store your food, your throat is where you taste your food, where your food goes down into your esophagus and in your stomach, right? And then you digest it. But a, a throat is an instrument. It's, it, it's hollow. Is it not? If it's not hollow, you have a problem, right? The, the, th the, the, the throat is a shell. And when God gave you a soul, 
When God gave you this soul, he, he gave you this shell, and, and you know what he did with Adam and Eve? He poured himself into that. He said, I am going to fill your throat with goodness. And everything around them was good. And everything they ate was good. And everything was good until what? Sin. And sin robbed out of them what God had placed in them. And God said, now you're going to feel empty. Now you're going to feel alone. Now you're going to feel shame. Now your throat is going to be always wanting something more. And the story of creation is the fact that our character and, and everything good turned really, really bad. Why? Because we don't have a soul anymore? No. Because Every single person's soul is empty until we understand how God desired to fill us. And so rather than me describe to you how I believe God wants us to be filled in our living souls, I would like to read a passage from Hebrews 2, we've studied before as a church, but let me remind you of how God values you, and he values you based on the price that Jesus paid on the cross. So I want to end with this because this is so important. And if you miss everything, but you're valuing yourself with your own definitions and your character is built on just trying harder and doing better, let me just read this to you. That one place, there's this one place in Scripture, it's Psalm uh, 8.4, uh, that the, the saying, testified saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, and crownest him with glory and with honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. We just read about the works of his hands, so now, now he's crowned over the works of his hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. And, and in that uh, put subjection, all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Why? Because of sin. But we see Jesus, who was also made a little lower than the angels. What happened? Matter. Matter now took on this form of a human, but inside was not just a soul, an empty nefesh. Now it was Jesus. Now it was God in flesh. Now he came, and why did he come? To be, you know, a lording? No, no, he came as a suffering servant. He suffered of death and crowned with glory and honor. That by the grace of God, we should taste death. He should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom all things, and by whom all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. We are made sons and daughters of God through Jesus' blood that was shed. Look at verse number 12 saying, I will declare thy name unto the, my brethren. 
In the midst of the church, I will sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. God is saying, listen, everything was hopeless. The nefesh was completely empty. Uh, Your values were completely bankrupt. But let me just say something, that Jesus came, and he came to restore the values that God had formed in the garden. And he came to say, if you value my values, your eternal nature will be changed into the image that I created you originally with in the first place. That is the story of creation. And so the choice we have is the takeaway. I want you to write it down today. That God made us to value him enough to live for him. God made us to value him enough to live for him. Now this is, the, this is the image I want you to get. It is this. That every single day when you wake up, every single relationship you have, your marriage relationship, you are given a choice. Is it going to be God's rhythm today of resting in him, trusting in him, valuing him? Am I going to say, yeah, yeah, that's good and all, but I got my own rhythm. I got my own stuff. I got my own beat that I want to march to. And if we go around marching at the beat of our own drum, we are left to our own rhythm, our own system, and we are left to our own consequences. And God says, listen, you were not made to, to, you, to, to follow your own rhythm. The rhythm of the world, it, it works for a little while, but it, it, it ultimately will deplete you. It will leave you empty. God's rhythm will leave you fulfilled and full and rejuvenated. Let me just say something to everyone in here who's like, man, I'm just not sure. I I walked in here. I I I don't know exactly what I believe about this. Let 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 me tell you something. That God wants this place. Why I read that long passage in Hebrews is because I wanted you to see the fact that God is setting up his church as the very place to show you the values that you're missing and to show you that every conflict, we're going to talk about conflict resolution in this series. We're going to talk about communication in this series. We're going to talk about commitment and trust. And we're, we're going to talk about uh, these things that, that, that matter in relationships. But let me just say something, that if you don't get God's values, it, it doesn't matter. Because, because if I get up here and I talk about these things that, that really do you know, help you in your relationship, but you're still marching to the beat of your own drum, what good is it? So we have to step back and say, okay, am I going to follow God's values? And if I'm going to follow God's values, God, I, I want to follow your rhythm and your system for living. I, I'm not going to, 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 to pressure myself into doing something just so I feel important. I'm not just going to live by the beat of the, br- of the drum of culture. I am going to follow Jesus' ex- example. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to follow you. And when we say that to God, everything else changes. Everything else comes into line. We center ourselves on him, and God starts to bring things into full focus. God starts to bring things into line with the way he designed it and he created it 
to be. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Five New Life. Have an amazing day.